Welcome to the New Grad Physio podcast, hosted by Andy Barker, consultant sports physiotherapist, private practice owner, and the founder of the New Grad Physio. Having experienced his own rapid rise from student to dream job as the head of physiotherapy and rehab at the Leeds Rhinos, just 15 months after graduating, Andy knows exactly what it takes to accelerate your skills and fly up the promotion ladder faster than you ever thought possible. Having previously been with the Leeds Rhinos for 10 seasons, Andy now consults with a number of individual elite athletes within professional rugby, international football and professional dance, alongside running his own successful private practice. Andy built the new grad physio to help new grad physios, sports therapists and sport rehabilitators just like you accelerate their own learning and learn the skill sets you need to become a competent, confident and competitive new grad physio. As a new grad, there are specific challenges you will face during those first few years and this podcast will deliver you actionable advice you can use to overcome these challenges and start your own successful new grad journey. Enjoy the show! Hey, it's Andy Bark here and welcome to the New Grad Physio podcast. In today's episode, I'm going to talk all about why shoulder impingement is not a diagnosis and why you as a therapist, regardless of where you're working, whether you're working with patients, athletes, should never use it as a diagnosis. So I'll be completely honest, I used to do this as a therapist, particularly as a new grad. I used to give you know, day after day, week after week, patients and athletes that I was working with a diagnosis of shoulder impingement. However, this wasn't until I realised and learned it's not even a diagnosis, and I'm going to explain more about this in today's podcast. And one of the big things for me was not only learning it's not a diagnosis, which you'll you'll learn you know quite clearly why it's not in, in a little while, but why me giving this, I guess, inaccurate diagnosis to the patients and the athletes that I was working with was actually really detrimental to my treatment plan and was greatly affecting my patient and athletes' adherence to, I guess, to the treatment plan, and in particular, their rehab and home exercise program. So what I want to do in this podcast is show you why shoulder impingement is not a diagnosis and what it actually is. I want to talk about why impingement is almost a, a lazy diagnosis, and it's an easy way out of a shoulder diagnosis, and what you need to do as a therapist to focus on what do you and your patients need to focus your attentions on instead not diagnosis not impingement but what actually do you need to focus your attentions on instead and I'm also going to talk through and use an example as well like a sort of a case study and almost like role play out like you might have to do in a, in a clinical setting to talk through and show you how to give a diagnosis of I guess you know, something that you might at the moment call impingement, like maybe a subacromial bursa or a cuff tendon issue, without mentioning the word impingement. So, to kick us straight off, I want to get straight into why shoulder impingement is not actually a diagnosis. And the reason it's not a diagnosis is it's because it's a mechanism. So, what I mean by that is what impingement is describing is what is actually happening at the joint. So it's talking about basically structures coming together or becoming impinged. So it's not a diagnosis, it's just talking about what is actually happening at a particular joint. So you can get impingement, say, at the hip and shoulder, are the most common places you can get. Clearly you can get impingement at other, uh, other joints with other tissues, but they're probably the most common ones that we see. And if we look at the shoulder, 
when we talk about impingement, we are just describing what is happening between the ball and socket. We are talking what's happening usually within that subacromial space. We're not talking about structure. We're not talking about exactly what it is that's causing your patient's pain or limiting their function. We're actually describing what's happening at the joint. For that reason, it is a mechanism and impingement is not a diagnosis. So what a diagnosis is, is when you give a diagnosis, you're generally describing what structure is causing a patient's problem. So say you have a knee injury, like an ACL, an MCL, a meniscal injury, their structures, their you know, ACL, MCL ligaments, the meniscus is a different type of tissue. You talk about, say, an AC joint injury. That is a joint injury. You're talking about the joint. Or you talk about maybe an ATFL ankle injury. Again, that's one of the lateral ligaments of the ankle. That's the the structure. Uh, And when you're giving a diagnosis to a patient or an athlete, you're telling them the specific structure that is injured. The reason often we give impingement at the shoulder particularly, and even at the hip, is it's almost a get out. It's an easy option because we don't know. We struggle sometimes to differentiate what structures are injured and exactly what structure is causing a patient's pain or limiting their function. So to get around that, rather than, I guess, doing a better assessment or actually finding the the true diagnosis, that's sort of one option, is to give these sort of blanket diagnosis. So like an impingement, like anterior shoulder pain, like anterior knee pain. Again, these are quite non-specific general diagnoses that, again, I don't think are generally that helpful. I'm not going to get into the the crux of anterior knee pain and anterior shoulder pain and things like that, but obviously we're specifically talking here about, about impingement. What you have to remember as well is that regarding impingement, it's actually normal. It should, you know, a joint should impinge at the end of range. So when you're bringing certain joints into certain positions, you're going to bring those bony surfaces close together. So when you do that, what's happening is that there is a, a higher likelihood that you're, when you're bringing the joint surfaces closer together, so the joint space is smaller, that you're actually potentially going to be squashing tissues together between those bony surfaces. So do this yourself you know, to test this out. And please, please don't do this if you're driving in your car because I don't want you crashing and blaming me when you are going to the uh, back end of someone. But if you're assuming you're not driving, if you just take your arm and take it to sort of like 90 degrees um, abduction, maybe slightly you know, towards, your, towards your midline, and then if you drop your hand towards the floor, so you're going to basically internally rotate your shoulder, if you think about what you've just done there, you've just done uh, Hawkins-Kennedy tent. Hawkins Kennedy test, sorry, on yourself. So that is a, a commonly used subacromial impingement test. So what you've done is taken your shoulder to end range internal rotation in a position of you know shoulder flexion and, and abduction. What you've done is impinged your own shoulder for so for most of you listening to this, if you've just done that test, myself included, it feels a bit uncomfortable. So it doesn't feel the same as when I fully extend or flex my knee or again fully dorsiflex or plant flex my ankle it feels very different so it feels almost I get almost like borderline uncomfortable you know painful and it should you know if you think about the the shoulder what we're actually doing there is we are squashing the tissues between the head of the humerus and the glenoid or put really simply 
in sort of layman's terms, we're squashing the tissues between the ball and the socket of the shoulder. That's ultimately what we're doing by bringing that shoulder with that Hawkins-Kennedy test, if you like, we are impinging the shoulder, we're bringing it to the end of range, internal rotation, and in effect, squashing those tissues together. So, I'm gonna give you an example here. So, you're in clinic with a patient, they have these positive impingement signs. I'm not gonna get into different types of tests and, and things like that, but they've got pain with, say, overhead activities, they tell you that during the subjective, maybe they've got a painful arc, when you test flexion or abduction as part of your range of movement testing, and they might even have pain with impingement tests like the Hawkins Kennedy test, or maybe another test for subacromial impingement like the empty can test. So I think the first, you know, first thing I want to sort of really nail and almost make sure that you know generally that you really understand is don't label this as impingement. So if we're talking about a diagnosis, hopefully you've already grasped that. Impingement is not a diagnosis. You you no doubt already know without me me telling you here that it's very difficult, particularly the shoulder, to differentiate between certain structures, particularly within that subacromial space. So there isn't really any valid test for, to help us differentiate between, say, a bursa injury, so subacromial bursa injury, bursitis, or whatever you might want to call it and maybe an injury to the cuff tendons, because they're almost in the same place. And a lot of the tests, like the tests we've just talked about, Hawkins-Kennedy, MCCAN, they're going to stress both those structures at the same time. So again, without imaging, and again, there are limitations to um, subacromial shoulder joint imaging, it can be very difficult in clinical practice to differentiate between those structures. But I don't think there's any shame or harm and I certainly do it with patients that I see that have, I guess, this apparent shoulder impingement, or whilst I'd never call it that, to actually tell my patients that. I tell them that, you know, there's there's a, you know some structures, various structures between that ball and the socket, and they're irritated. And when you do X, Y, Z activities, or when you're in X, Y, Z positions, these movements, these positions are putting additional pressure on that region of your shoulder. And that is why you are getting the symptoms you are getting. Hope you are enjoying today's episode so far. Just wanted to take a break and make sure you haven't missed out on Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It will show you five simple steps you need to accelerate your learning and career as a new grad physio. It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles, more opportunities and better pay as a new grad physio. It's Andy's most downloaded resource and you can get it completely free just by visiting newgradphysio.com. So make sure you check it out. Now let's get back to the podcast. Aside from, I guess, talking about structures and what's causing your patient's pain or their their limits to function, the big focus and the big, I guess, changing thought from a lot of what we're taught as as undergrads and you know postgrads, if you've done a, an MSc in any sort of therapy profession, is to get away from this sort of diagnosis and almost structure and focus on your patient's problems. So what do I mean by patient's problems? So with someone with shoulder pain, you might find a loss of range of movement with shoulder flexion, abduction, you know, external rotation. 
any of those combinations of all those you know different movements you might find a limitation in strength whether that's because of pain inhibition whether that's because they've generally lost strength because they've you know not been using that upper limb as much as they they would do ordinarily because it's been painful or whatever it may be but these problems range of movement strength whatever else it may be these need fixing up and these are problems for the for the patient and what problems need taking away injury like if you're talking about if you've got a problem what you need to fix a problem is a solution. In the therapy world, what we do as therapists, when we identify problems like loss of range of movement or strength, our solutions are the treatment plan. They are treatment techniques, your hands-on work that you might do, whatever that may be, and your rehab exercises could be one or the other, or treatment techniques and rehab, whichever way you like to work. So, ultimately, I'm trying to make this really simple, you identify problems with your patient and then you identify how you're going to fix them up, which are, in effect, your hands-on techniques and your rehab exercises. Before I move on, I just want to almost quash again another, I guess, big problem or question I get asked a lot. I get asked all the time, and, and I've spoken previously about not giving patients a diagnosis unless they, I guess, really ask for it. And that's the, the sort of point I want to touch on now. So what if you have a patient that really ask for a diagnosis and if they're in your clinic and they want to specifically know what structure or what is causing their their pain in their shoulder for example and i've seen a lot of patients like this i've seen a lot of athletes who are quite well informed who who want to know who you know relatively more probably more, more intelligent if that's um if i'm if i can say that um who want to really be to really pinpoint is that again exactly what's causing their, the problem that they've got so they might might say something on the lines of so Andy what is actually causing my shoulder pain what specific you know structure is it a ligament tendon muscle the joint bone what is it what's actually causing my shoulder pain so in examples like this if I was presented again with the with an example my patient comes in you know, they've got that painful arc, they're telling me all these problems with all the head activities, maybe in the gym, shoulder pressing, they've got, you know, pain on, you know, certain sort of tests, which would indicate that impingement-like, you know, symptoms, although I'm not going to call it that. What I would tell them is there's certain structures within their, that's part of their shoulder, that might include their bursa, that might include some of the tendons of the, some of the muscles in the shoulder, that are likely causing their symptoms. I might have to clarify what a bursa is because they might not understand that. Uh, and I might even use, you know, in most cases I'll use either the skeleton model I have in clinic or I'll use an app on my, an app on my, app on my phone or if I've got a wall chart, you know, in the room I'm working in, I'll use that to try and explain what I'm talking about. And that will obviously answer your patient's question in terms of, I guess, what's causing their pain without actually being specific and saying, right, it's exactly this bursa or it's exactly this supraspinatus tendon. Because in all honesty, in most cases, you're not going to be able to tell them that, particularly at the shoulder, because again, it's very, very difficult to differentially diagnose just using your sort of clinical test. So what happens then? You've sort of given them an answer to their question, but then all the focus, you need to spin straight away really quickly to focus your patient's attention away from that diagnosis, if you want to call it that, and talk of structures and what's causing pain to their actual problems like that loss of range of movement, like that loss of strength, and then focus in on the solution. So how you're actually going to fix those problems. So talking to your patient, you know, these are the problems you've got. This is how 
we're going to get your shoulder pain-free again and get you back doing X, Y, Z, whatever their outcome goal is. So how would this work in real life? So you've got a patient comes to see you. She's, you know, a housewife, pain in her right shoulder, struggling, you know, with things overhead, you know, putting laundry away in, the, in, a, in a cupboard up high, putting the dishes away and things like that. So how, how would this sound in clinic? So I'm just going to sort of like almost role play this scenario to myself and obviously to you guys so you can understand how, you know, how I would talk through this sort of um, case and how I would talk through this type of, of problem, if you like, within a sort of clinical setting. So Mrs. Smith, we found that you struggled mostly with movements above your head so things like putting the laundry away putting the dishes away in the sort of cupboards at home so firstly what we want to do together is try and reduce the pain in your shoulder to make those tasks easier for you to do to do because you need to keep doing those things at home you know i don't want to stop you from doing those things and you've got you know enough strength in your shoulder to be able to continue to do those things but at the moment they're a bit painful so we want to try and reduce that pain and we also want to help you regain some of that lost movement you have in your shoulder so we did a couple of tests if you remember towards the early part of your assessment where we got to lift your arm forwards and out to the side and you know you didn't quite have the same movement in your right shoulder as opposed to your to your left shoulder so what we're going to do is we're going to start with some hands-on work just some treatment you know on the bed you lay on your back to the front of your shoulder just to try and reduce your current pain level and then after that we'll go through a couple of exercises We'll show you how to do them. We can you can sort of go through them together to make sure you're happy that you can then go home with, and that will help to continue your recovery. Does that sound okay to you? So again, really simple. There's no talk there of labrums, ball and sockets. There's no talk of cuff tendons. There's no talk of bursas. There's no talk of impingement. It's about the problems, lifting overhead, the solutions, hands-on treatment techniques, and the rehab we're going to go through. Are you okay with that? And then crack on with your, your sort of treatments and your, your rehab. So in this example, Mrs. Smith's problem is putting the dishes away. Or in physio terms, you know, bloated overhead movement, if you want to sort of call it that. The solution to her problems is firstly reducing her pain and restoring the the lost range of movement she has. The solutions might change as we go through the, you know, I might have found other problems in her assessment. So she might have... I guess, limited or reduced strength, for, for example. That was something that I work on. But the main problems that I'm trying to work on in this, in this first session are pain and restoring range of movement. As you have sort of not said there and hopefully noticed, there was no talk of a diagnosis. There was no diagnosis given to Mrs. Smith in the clinic. Instead, all the focus was on the problems and how we were actually going to fix them. So, which is in effect, the treatment plan. And if you can understand how to do this and understand that most patients don't actually care about a diagnosis and again I think so much focus and attention you know certainly for me and the new grads that I that I work with and, and talk to so much attention is given to finding a diagnosis finding a diagnosis finding a diagnosis that sometimes when you can't be you know really clear on what a diagnosis is it totally throws you out as a therapist because you're not really sure then what to do you, you feel like I've not got a working diagnosis. I've, I don't really know exactly what's going on. So then how can I prescribe, you know, treatment and rehab to fix this this, this injury? Because I don't know what it is. But again, you, you don't fix ever fix a diagnosis. So regardless of what that is, you know, you, you never fix the diagnosis. You fix the problems that have resulted from that injury. 
So again, you don't fix an ACL if someone's, you know, one, the driver managed conservatively, so they don't have surgery, and then you, you're restoring, you know, dampening down any inflammatory problems, then you're restoring range of movement, strength, proprioception, going through the you know, late stages of rehab, depending on upon what your outcome goal of your patient is. You know, you don't, you're not treating the ACL, you're treating the problems that have resulted from that ACL injury. If you get a post-op ACL, it's the same process, just obviously they have surgery before you start with your you know your your treatment plan if you can understand that patients in most cases don't actually care when you really dig deep and even though some patients will actually ask directly for a diagnosis you know whilst they may think they want that they don't they actually want you to fix them you know they they don't want that diagnosis. They they really don't, and I and I really mean that. They they just want to be fixed. They want to be able, you know, to to hear from their therapist, from you, about this is what's going on. You know, this is maybe what's causing your symptoms. These are the problems that you've got, and this is how we're going to fix you. This is how we're going to get you from A to B, from injury back to full health, back to full fitness, back doing the things that you want to do, back putting those plates away in the cupboard back in the gym lifting weights over your head, back playing football, back playing rugby, back playing cricket, back playing whatever else it may be, which is obviously going to be individual to your to your patient or their athlete that you're that you're working with. To put it in context of the example I used, you know, Mrs. Smith does not care if she has an infraspinatus or supraspinatus cuff injury or she has subacromial bursitis, you know, she's probably going to go away if you tell her that and probably Google what those things are and then come back to the next you know, next week thinking she's going to have, have to have her arm amputated. And that's what patients do because they've been given some information that is, again, not helpful. And it's not helpful to you, the therapist, and it's certainly not helpful to your patient. She just wants to be able to go home, wash the dishes after she's eaten a tea and with her family and be able to dry them and stick them back in a cupboard and not be in so much pain that she's having to, you know, sit with an ice pack on her shoulder for the next sort of hour watching TV. No, she just wants to be able to do that. She doesn't really care if it's the cuff or the bursa or something else that's causing sort of her pain. So maybe you still feel a bit confused, you know, with patients and I guess what the diagnosis may be. But if you feel like that and sometimes a bit of confusion, how do you think your patient feels? If you're not being really clear and concise about the information that you're giving them, it is highly, highly likely that your patient is leaving your clinic also feeling confused and unsure about what their diagnosis is and also what's going on. And ultimately, more importantly than all of that, diagnosis aside, exactly how you're going to fix them and get them back to doing what they what they, you know what, what they want to do. So again, overcomplicating this for your patient, telling them they've got bursitis or a labral issue is not that helpful. Keep things as simple as you can don't feel like you have to give a diagnosis even if you can find a diagnosis you know you don't feel like you know you have to give that to your patient if you don't think it's relevant if you don't think it's important if your patient doesn't you don't think your patient actually needs it to, you know to, for you to be able to sort of fix them up and if you do give a good diagnosis you know if you if you're in a position where maybe you do find out or your patient's pushing you for for that diagnosis you just need to quickly change your patient's focus away from that diagnosis and to what they actually need to focus on to fix the problems that they have, which ultimately is your treatment plan. And if you can communicate this well to your patients, keep it simple, 
use that sort of simple problem and solution based sort of method patients will firstly understand what you're saying secondly will understand how your treatments and rehab exercises that you're going to prescribe will actually help them get back to their job to certain activities or sports that they want to get back to and thirdly and the best bit of all that if you're able to do that it actually means patients will understand they'll adhere they'll actually go away and do their home exercise program so you're not gonna have those patients coming back the week after doing things all wrong because they weren't really listening when you first gave out their sort of rehab exercises or they haven't done them because they couldn't be bothered it's not because they couldn't be bothered it's because they didn't understand how those exercises were going to fix them how good would that be if your patients every patient that you saw came back and absolutely smashed their rehab and then you kick on in session two, three, through the sort of treatment, sort of sessions you have together and keep getting them better and better, reduce their pain, improve their function, get them back doing the things that they enjoy the most. So I know the shoulder can feel like a bit of a struggle sometimes and be a bit confusing for you as a, as a new grad. Alongside injuries to like the neck and lower back, the shoulder is the joint I get asked the most questions about. It's the, the, the joint I get the most emails and messages on my social media about how to manage. And that was the reasoning, the main reason behind why I put together my latest free resource. So the five breakthrough steps to confidently treat the shoulder right every time, avoid mistakes and stop you feeling less adequate than other new grads. So you can get this free PDF if you just go to newgradphysio.com forward slash confident. In this resource, I will cover the number one reason why new grads can't seem to get the right diagnosis, no matter how hard they try. Why you should never trust people who tell you that shoulder is complex and what you should do instead. The honest truth about getting great results with shoulder pain patients and why it can be so much easier than you ever imagined and much, much more. So even though this resource relates specifically to the shoulder, all the content Everything that you will learn can be applied to every other joint. So whether that's a knee, ankle, lower back, any other of your joint assessments, treatments and rehab. So get your free copy right now. Head to newgradphysio.com forward slash confident. If for any reason you have a problem finding the link or downloading the, the free PDF, then please reach out to me. Let me know um, either on social media, so any of my social media channels at newgradphysio or email me directly, andy at newgradphysio.com. Thanks for joining me on today's episode of the Newgradphysio podcast. Hope you can join me next time. Any questions, anything you want to know, please hit me up and I will speak to you all again very soon. Thanks for listening to Andy Barker's New Grad Physio podcast. If you've enjoyed this content, you will love his website, newgradphysio.com, which is packed full of free content to help you, a new grad physio, sports therapist or sports rehabilitator, overcome the specific challenges you face day to day in your clinical practice, working in the NHS, private practice and sport. Here you can get links to all his other podcast episodes, read all his blogs, find out about his book and his upcoming courses and the new grad physio membership. You can also download Andy's latest free resource, Five Steps to Fast Track Your New Grad Physio Career. It is packed full of clinical and non-clinical advice, including the missing career skill university didn't teach you that is stopping you getting better job roles, more opportunities and better pay as a new grad physio. 
Get access to all this by visiting www.newgradphysio.com. The New Grad Physio was built to help as many new grads as possible. So if you have enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review and even better, tell someone else about it. Enjoy the rest of your day, whatever you have planned, and here's to the start of your own successful new grad journey.